So we are, as I said, starting a new series today, and uh, this was going to take us through the month of January, but this the series titled Rewards. Um, and our theme verse for this series is Hebrews 11.6, the last part of that verse, where it says that God rewards those who sincerely seek him. Again, we're going to be looking at this, this concept of rewards, and, and again, what, what does the Bible describe when it comes to, to rewards, but uh, again, it does, um, in some ways, feel foreign to, to our, our Christianity and gospel message to know that there are rewards. And uh, again, when you think about that concept connected to our faith, it is one that, that seems a little odd. Um, and yet, we're going to see in Scripture that, that it talks about rewards a lot. And so we're going to look at that um, throughout the series. But, but when we start doing that, outside of our faith, we, we get the concept of, of a reward. Again, there are, there are positive rewards, right? You do, do this, and then you get rewarded. Okay? And, and then there's also, though, negative rewards in life, right? Again, if you do do something, then you will get that. And we call it negative reward. We typically use a different word. We call it a consequence, right? And, and again, we, we know that. Again, especially as a parent, we understand this concept, Right? That there are positive rewards and then there are negative consequences, but the same concept applies. Right? That if you do this, then you get that. Okay? And it's a very simple concept, and it's one, in fact, that, that we kind of wish was connected to our faith. Right? In fact, a lot of religions are works-based and saying, if you do this, then you get that. Now, again, Christianity is not, not that way. We're going to look at that today. They say we, we get the concept of rewards, don't we? Right? If we accomplish a task, if we do this, then we get that. We get that reward. Okay, now, when, when you see that, again, we understand the concept of rewards. Um, do something, you get something in return. Okay, and again, we, this, this concept is all over our culture. We see it all over, right? Again, especially um, if you have a card. Right? You get rewards, don't you? Right? We, we know this. From airline miles to fuel discounts to cheaper groceries, rewards are all around us. Okay? And we understand this concept. If you do something, then you get something in return. Okay? Now, now, throughout Scripture, okay, as, I, I, as I continue to read and study Scripture, I see this, this word, this reward word all over Scripture. And as I said, it seems a little foreign when we think about our faith and think about Christianity is like, how does that fit in? And yet, Scripture talks about rewards a lot. In fact, as I looked at, at the, the, the Hebrew and Greek words that are translated into the word rewards, they, and again, Hebrew and Greek is the, the language that the Bible is originally written in, and we can go back to those, those original words and those definitions and, and realize there are positive and negative connotations to this word. Like I said, a reward or a consequence. We see that oftentimes the same word is used in both ways in Hebrew and Greek. I mean, we look at the definition, it's, it's to, to give away, to deliver, to restore, to reward, or to yield a harvest of a reward. Okay, we also see, again, is to pay for a service, whether it's a good or bad, to hire, to reward, or to give a wage. Again, if I earn it, then I get a reward. I have to earn it, right? When we think that, again, the do this and get that, okay, this is a concept. In fact, this is a concept that most people expect when it comes to religion, right? They think, hey, if I do the right thing, then I will 
be saved. I will gain, I will get my salvation as a reward, right? My life will be better off if I do this or that. Now, again, this is attractive to the idea of religion because it's very concrete. If I do this, I get it. If I don't, I don't, right? And yet this concept is, is in fact the opposite of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, Okay, this idea of if I do this, I'll, I'll get it. I will earn my salvation. This is the opposite of the gospel message. In fact, and that's the verse I want to point out today, these verses from Ephesians chapter 2, okay, verses 8 and 9, okay, where it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Again, very clear, right? Scripture tells us in verse 9, it says, our salvation is not a reward for the good things that we do. Right? And so this, this idea, this gospel message of following Jesus and receiving my salvation and forgiveness of my sins and eternal life with him is not a reward. But yet it is something that we get through grace. Again, just like Dominic got a prize even though he didn't earn it. Right? And that is grace. Right now, again, we, we receive our salvation even though we didn't earn it. Again, in fact, the only thing we earn when it comes to our salvation is death, right? Um, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, gracious gift of God, is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, and that's because Christ paid our price for our sin. So we don't have to pay that price. To receive our salvation, right? We get it through grace. Now, notice again in Ephesians 2 verse 8, it says, God saved you by his grace. Again, what God did through the person of Jesus, that he lived a sinless life, he died on a cross, he rose again on the third day, right? So he, that's how he paid our sin debt. That's the grace part. But then the second part of that is when you believed, right? And that is the faith part of the gospel message, Okay, we, again, Christianity does not work the way the rest of the world works. We cannot earn our salvation. Okay, our faith, following Jesus, is not a works-based faith or religion. It is a faith-based relationship. And those are, in fact, polar opposites of each other. A works-based religion or a faith-based relationship. Okay, again, you cannot earn your salvation. Uh, just exactly as the verse says, it is not a reward for the good things that you have done. Again, grace and faith. Right? Grace is God's part. Right? He paid that price and gives us what we don't deserve. Grace is God's part and faith is our part. Again, to be saved, I have to receive the gift of salvation. I have to believe that Christ is, is God that he, again, lived, died on a cross, rose again on the third day, conquered death, paid my sin price, and then I confess my sins and accept the forgiveness that is brought through Jesus Christ. That's the faith part. That's my part, right? Faith part. Now, when we look again at faith, grace and faith, this is very important, right? The foundation of Christianity. And again, then we find the definition of faith in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Okay, the biblical definition of faith in Hebrews Chapter 11, verse 1, it says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. Again, 
faith, right, is confidence of what I hope for will actually happen. Where do I hope for? I hope for salvation. I hope for a relationship with my creator. Okay, and, and again, faith is knowing that that will actually happen, that that is true, it is real, and it will happen. And it's also then assurance of what I cannot see. And again, there's a, an, the aspect of faith is that I can't see it. It's not tangible. It's not in front of me. Right? Is again, there's evidence of God all over, but yet it's not something I physically see in front of me. It's something I cannot see. It's, it's confidence in what I cannot see. Right? And knowing that what the Bible teaches is true, that God really is God. Right? It is, again, in that confidence of knowing that it's not. And I can take that step of faith in something that I cannot see right, and enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? That is the gospel message. It is not about a reward at all. Right? And then we see, as he continues in verse 6, and he says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So here we see, right, we are saved by grace through faith. And yet once we receive Christ, once we join the journey of faith, Right, and receive him by grace. And then we, again, accept Christ as our Savior. Then we start a new journey. Right? And that journey is one that is, is focused on Christ, and we move more closer to Christ. And that journey ends when we are with Christ in heaven in his unhindered relationship. From, from the point I receive Christ as my Savior, I join the journey of faith, and then I am on a journey until I, that journey con concludes with him in heaven. Right? And he, as he says, right, there are two parts here um, as a part of that day-to-day the -day life. As I journey with, with Christ, now my new goal in life as a believer in Jesus is to please God. Right? I'm no longer living for myself. I'm living for him. Right? And my faith journey, my day-to-day -day walk with him is getting me closer to Christ as I am transformed away from my own selfish nature towards God's. Again, in this journey of faith, as my goal is to please God, there are two things described here in these verses, right, that we can do to please God. Okay, number one, and I encourage you to underline it or circle it. Okay, it's, it, if, if anyone wants to come to him, you must believe that God exists. Okay, underline, circle, believe that God exists. And obviously that's where our faith starts, right, is believing that God exists and receiving him as our Savior. That's how we join the journey of faith. But it's not just about a salvation. This is also a way forward in our faith, in our discipleship, in our growth in him. Right? Because if I believe that God exists, right, beyond what I can't see with my faith and believe that, then suddenly if my life's about him, then the way that I make decisions, the way that I process things in life, the way that, that I even watch the news is suddenly different because I believe God exists. Right? And this is an ongoing thing every day. Right, that even through the struggles of life, I know that God exists. Right, and that there's a reason to keep going. Right, because God exists. And so, and not only God exists, but then the second part of that is, it is, as it says, it says then to sincerely seek him. Again, underline or circle, sincerely seek him. Okay, these are the two things described on how I can please God in my, in my faith journey as I move closer to him with my time here on earth. Is I believe he exists. And then I earnestly seek him. And as I seek him, again, through my life, my life's not about me at all. It's about 
God now, and it's about moving closer to him, that I'm closer to Christ tomorrow than I am today as I journey forward in my faith. I know that my daily actions matter, right? That outside of my salvation, there are lots of do this and get that descriptions in the Bible. And again, but these descriptions are not about salvation, but they are about discipleship. Okay, about what does my daily life look like after I receive Christ, right? How do I continue to grow in my faith? Okay, in fact, Jesus um, tells us some of these things in the most famous sermon in all of Scripture, and that is the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, now the Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew 5 through 7. Okay, our text this morning that I want to dive into is right in the middle of that sermon in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have your Bible with you, please open with me to Matthew chapter 6, um, and we're going to start at verse 1. If you do not have your own Bible or don't have it with you, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats. Um, you're welcome to use one of those. And you'll notice on the outline is the page numbers of where you can find this passage in those Bibles. Okay, but as we, as we open up God's Word to Matthew chapter 6, like I said, we're jumping into the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, now this sermon, again, was not a sermon of salvation. Okay, what Jesus was teaching the crowds on the side of the mountain was he was describing for them what life would look like if you choose to follow him. Right, he's saying, what is your day-to-day -day life going to look like? He's describing the life of discipleship, not salvation. Okay, he was describing for them, again, what their faith journey would look like if they decide to be a follower of Jesus. So we're going to uh, read Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 1, okay, where it says, Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father, who knows what you do in private. And your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. And now I want to stop there, and again, as we... As we look at everything that Jesus teaches here on the Sermon on the Mount, again, he's teaching these people about what a life will look like if you choose to follow Jesus. 
Okay, and notice, again, he uses this word reward, I mean, I'll, several times throughout this passage. Okay, in fact, many times. Okay, when he uses this, this, uh, this word over and over again as he describes these different aspects of a, of a life that follows Jesus, okay, he's making the point, okay, that there are rewards involved in our faith journey, and that there are worldly rewards, and there are heavenly rewards. And these are two different things. Okay, he makes the, this, this comparison between worldly rewards and heavenly rewards. In fact, where we started in verse 1, he actually starts with a very stern warning. Right? It's so stern that it actually has an exclamation point next to it. Right? When he says, watch out. Again, he's saying, this is, this is dangerous ground. Realize, watch out. He says, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Again, Jesus is telling us, he's like, there are two kinds of rewards here. There are worldly rewards, and there are heavenly rewards. And watch out, because it's, it's sometimes it's hard to tell which one you're really working for. He says, watch out. Again, he gives us this warning. I mean, a warning that we should, again, take notice of. Right? What is he really warning us about? Right? As Jesus describes this this uh, discipleship life, this ongoing journey of faith with him, okay, he describes three good deeds that should be a part of your faith journey. Okay, and, and as he describes these good deeds, right, again, we already know, we go back to where we started of the gospel message, is we don't do good deeds to earn our salvation, we do good deeds because of our salvation. Again, we do, do good deeds as a part of our faith journey, of our discipleship growth in our faith. Right? And so Jesus says, hey, when you do these things, be very careful. Watch out. The first good deed that he describes of these three is giving to the needy. Right? In verses 2 through 4, he describes giving to the needy. Okay? And notice he says, when you do this, again, he doesn't say that you should or shouldn't do it. He says, no, when you give to the needy, this is a part of your faith journey. When you do it, though, make sure that you're working for a heavenly reward. And then he gives us advice on how to make sure that that happens. Right, that we don't get our worldly reward, but we get the heavenly one. So when you give, he says, for your heavenly reward, give anonymously. Okay, don't, don't shout it out. Don't be like, hey, look what I'm doing. Right? Do, he says, do it anonymously. Right? And then your Father in heaven will see and will reward you. Again, I don't know about you, but I would much rather have God in heaven reward me than a worldly reward. Because right, notice he says, I mean, that's exactly what Jesus says. He's like, if you do it for the world reward, that's all the reward you will get. Right? But if you do it for a heavenly one, right, then your Father in heaven will reward you. I think that's probably a much better reward. Right? So he says, to have a heavenly reward, give anonymously. And then in the next section, in verses 5 through 15, he describes a life of prayer. Again, he says, when you pray, Again, prayer should be an ongoing life um, discipline, right, of our faith is to pray. Now, again, he doesn't say that we shouldn't pray with other people or pray in public times, but he describes not saying that that's not the only part of your prayer life. It also should have a private prayer life, right? And when you do that, to get the heavenly reward for your life of prayer, pray privately. Again, how that be a part of it? If the only time you pray is in public with other people at church, then you're not finding the reward you'll find 
through a life of prayer. Right? And that reward, again, is not coming from the Heavenly Father. And then the last section, the last few verses, he describes the spiritual discipline of fasting. Now, this is the one that, that, that we typically like to ignore oftentimes in our faith. Okay, in fact, um, in, in the, as I we've described these journey, spiritual growth classes, journey classes, okay, class, journey class number four is, is focused on spiritual disciplines and on our daily walk with Christ and reaching a level of, 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 an, of, of a relationship with him that, again, a lot of Christians never experience. And through that class, what we do in that class is we look at these different disciplines and then look at the biblical reason for doing it, and then we go and do it for a couple weeks and then come back and talk about it. And one of the things that we do in class four is fasting. Okay, now, again, for most people, when they get into class four, is it's the first time they've ever fasted before. Okay, again, it's one that we don't typically do very often. Right, you know, giving to things, we do that pretty well. Right, life of prayer, yep, I can do that. But fasting, I don't know, Lord, that might be going too far. Right, but the big picture of, the big, big picture definition of fasting we talk about in that class, okay, is giving up something on purpose for a purpose. Okay, giving up something on purpose for a purpose. And again, on purpose, like I, I, Decide ahead of time what I'm going to give up, for how long, right, and for what purpose. Okay, again, in that class, we look through it. We look at all the biblical purposes for fasting, and there are several. Right, and look at that, and then, again, we go to do that. Now, again, with that, he says, if you do it, again, you can do the right things the wrong way and get the wrong reward. Right, so to get a heavenly reward for fasting is, he tells us, to keep it between you and God. Okay, you don't, in fact, nobody else should even know you're fasting. Right, nobody else should even know if you get this heavenly reward, if you give up something on purpose, for a purpose. Right, nobody else should even realize. Keep it between you and God. Now, when we look at all of these three good deeds that Jesus points out, look at the, the, the point of the heavenly reward. Okay, the overall point that Jesus was making here is that God knows your real motivation. God knows your real motivation. Yeah, again, you can do the right things for the wrong reasons. Now, from the outside looking in, you can't really tell the difference, right, of whether, whether you know, their motivations are right or they're not. Again, but yeah, at the same time, that's not our call to make. But in all three of these examples, there was an earthly reward given from other people. Right, again, and the motivation of that, right, was the, the admiration, the, the good jobs, right, the, oh, you're, you're a great Christian, right, whatever it would be. It's the, the recognition that comes from other people. That was the earthly reward, right? And yet, Jesus says there is a heavenly reward that is much better than that. Again, when you do good deeds, what is your motivation? Is it for yourself? Or is it for other people? Or is it for God, because God told you to do it. Right, what is our motivation? Again, when we play games, when we know the rewards in front of us, our motivation is to get that reward. Right, are we doing it for the right reasons, or are we doing it for God? Are we moving forward, right, and that, are we going to receive our heavenly rewards? 
Again, in three different times in this passage, three different verses make exactly the same statement. Okay, in verses 4, 6, and 18, where Jesus says, your father who sees everything will reward you. Again, if I'm choosing between an earthly reward, a human reward, or a godly reward, I want the godly one. Right, because God is a whole lot bigger and a whole lot more powerful than anybody else. Right, and I want the godly one. Okay, as it says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, the Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Right, God sees your heart. He sees your motivation. He sees everything. Right, and he's the ultimate judge of whether we get a reward or not. Again, we get, and, and ultimately, the way we can tell, the only way I think that I've ever could tell right, is if, if somebody's motivation is, is if, if when other people do notice. Again, if they do it, if you do a good deed, and people notice your good deeds sometimes, and they might point it out, the reaction you get from somebody when their good deeds are pointed out shows their real motivation, right? Whether they kind of push the spotlight off themselves and kind of move it out, or whether they just like, oh, you know, bask in the spotlight, right? Again, we can do the right things for the wrong reasons, Right? And yet, when, when your good deeds are pointed out by others, it puts you in a very awkward position if you are doing it, again, for God and not for yourself. Right? And oftentimes, that's the only way we can tell somebody's true motivation. Okay? And then, as we, again, see um, Jesus making this point about these heavenly rewards versus earthly rewards, then he concludes this concept and this thought with verses 19 through 21. Okay, Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21, where Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and trust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Again, Jesus wraps up this idea of rewards and, and, and earthly rewards, heavenly rewards, all these things by, by making the point, right, that we need our, our rewards from God. And if, if, that, if that happens, as we gain these rewards, as we gather them, as we move through our faith journey, right, is that where your treasure is stored really matters. Where do you store your treasure? Is it on earth? Is it... Is it building up all these things? Is it a trophy wall? Is it whatever it might be? Or is it being stored in heaven at the ultimate destination of our faith journey? Where is it being stored? What is our true motivation? Because then Jesus tells us again in verse 21, right, that wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will also be. Yeah, now, when we realize that, right, again, I, we understand this concept of rewards. It's all around us. It's all through Scripture. Again, in these next weeks, as we go through, we're going to be looking at a lot of these different concepts and, and things from, from earthly rewards and heavenly rewards, and what do they really look like, and how does it affect my faith, and what does God promise us Right, but again, at the very core of this, I do not earn my salvation, 
right? It is not a reward for the things that I do. It is by grace through faith. Again, just like the Snickers bars, right? It's, it's something I don't deserve, but I get anyways. And yet, I don't earn my salvation, right? I get that reward based on what Jesus did, not on what I do, right? But once I join the journey of faith, once I receive Christ as my Savior, I confess my sins and invite him into my life, right? Once I join the journey of faith, there are many rewards to be had along the journey, right? And those rewards, again, are based not just on what I do, but on why I do it. Right, those rewards, again, are handed out by God based on my motivations, not just my outward actions. And thinking of that idea and thinking of that concept brings me to my final thought today, which is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. 1 Timothy 4, 8, where it says, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Again, that, that's what the faith journey is, is godliness training, right? In my day-to-day walk with Christ, right? And just as this verse says, if, as I train for godliness, as I move forward in my faith, day in and day out, right? It brings benefits in this life and in the life to come, okay? And that's what we're going to do for these next several weeks is we're going to look at exactly what that is. We're going to break that down. What are the benefits in this life and what are the benefits in the future life, okay? And we're gonna, we're gonna break that in. But my hope today, as we leave here today, is that you will not leave here today not knowing that you are saved. Because again, salvation is not a reward for anything you do. You cannot earn your salvation. All you have to do is receive it by grace through faith. If you've never joined the journey of faith before, if you've never received Christ your savior, I hope that you will do that today before you leave. And you do that by simply praying to God, confessing, your sins, asking him to come into your life and to forgive you, and you can join the journey of faith. Again, you can pray in your seat and to do that. Um, We're going to sing a a song here as we conclude. You can come forward and pray. Okay, but again, please do not leave here today wondering if you're saved, because you don't have to earn that at all. You get that through grace. But if you received God, then I hope you'll be journeying forward as he continues to transform you in your journey of faith. And we're going to look at those, those rewards we get from that through these next weeks. Lord God, we thank you, Lord, that we can come home to you. God, that we can receive you as our Savior. God, and we can not have to earn our salvation, but receive it through grace and faith. God, I pray, Lord, that, that we, Lord, would receive you. And God, that, that as we receive you, we would join that journey, and it would start a new journey of pleasing you in everything that we do. And God, I thank you, Lord, that you give us rewards along the way. And God, I pray, Lord, that as we go this week, Lord, even as we celebrate this new year, God, we can celebrate who you make us in Christ. God, that we will continue to journey forward in our faith in this coming year. God, that we would see your power unleashed in our own lives and in our church and in our community, God, in ways that we can't explain other than it's you. And God, we thank you, God, that you continue to walk with us no matter what our journey comes or comes against. Lord, guide us as we go this week. God, help us to please you in a journey towards you and closer to you with every step. Guide us as we go in Jesus' name, amen.